Welcome to the DPM podcast, where we go beyond theory to give expert PM advice for leading better digital projects. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ben Astor, the founder of the Digital Project Manager. Now, I wonder if this sounds familiar to any of you. Hey, can you just set up a meeting for us? Or, hey, can you just sort out a conference line for me? Or better still, hey, can you just book my flights and hotel for me? So the question is, how do you reply? Um, sure. But should you be agreeing to that? Should you be doing everyone's dirty work? And that's what today's podcast is all about. How and where do we draw that line between what's legit project management and what is everyone else's project or personal admin that they should just be doing themselves? This episode is sponsored by Resource Guru, the resource scheduling tool used by teams at companies like Apple, Ogilvy, Deloitte, and Publicis. And DPM listeners can get 20% off for the lifetime of their accounts with the coupon code DPM2018. Learn more at resourceguru.io forward slash DPM. So here's the conundrum. Us PMs, well, we're pretty awesome at making stuff happen, right? And people recognize that. They know where the people to go to. We're awesome. We're organized. But if we're not careful, everyone can just start thinking that they can use us as their own personal assistant. But are they just taking advantage of us? And what can we do about it? So today I'm talking to Patrice Embry. Patrice is a remote DPM. She's a certified Scrum Master, one of our resident DPM experts at the Digital Project Manager. And Patrice has got some pretty strong feelings about this project admin thing. So we're going to talk about how we can manage ourselves and our teams better so that we can get our teams to take ownership of their own admin. Sounds good, right? Well, hi, Patrice. Hi. It's good to have you with us again today. Always a pleasure. And um, Patrice and I were just talking offline. Patrice is about to perform... I think we're going to call it performance, a perform at the DPM Summit with her lightning talk. Patrice, can you give us a sneak peek into what you're talking about? I am talking about postmortems, and I'm calling mm. them postmortems, even though everyone keeps telling me it's too morbid and you should call them retrospectives. <laughs> <laughs> so there's your sneak peek. <laughs> I'm refusing to conform, and I will call them postmortems. Why, 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 is there any reason why you prefer the mortem? You just, I don't know. I mean, I think more... it's actually fitting. People think it's morbid, but I actually, it's dissecting. Yeah, the, pro- what you think. Well, yeah. the, the project is dead, right? Like the project is dead <laughs> and you need to figure out what killed it. So yes, I mean, I think it's apt. <laughs> well, there's a project life cycle, right? The project's born it, it's, and then it, you know, it comes into life, it matures and then, then it, it, it yeah, yeah. So I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. So. <laughs> Apart from your, um, yeah, your rather morbid talk, is there, um, <laughs> can, can you tell us uh, about any of the other things that you're working on at the moment? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sort of, uh, I'm at that weird spot that freelancers can definitely, um, probably relate to where some larger projects of mine are coming to an end. And uh, I'm at that spot where I'm sort of like trying to figure out what the rest of my year looks like. I think freelancers oh. can probably, um, definitely understand what that sort of does to you. And when you're a little bit, uh, you know, nervous about doing a, a talk at the Digital Project Management Summit, plus you're wondering if you've got some extra work coming your way, it's a little bit of a stressful time for me. But, you know, we're making so it does that mean there is a digital PM for hire coming possibly, up? Possibly, mm. possibly, possibly. Well, there you go. If you if you want to hire Patrice... <laughs> Head over to her website and um, and get in touch. It's patriceembry.com, right? Yeah, patrice-embry.com, yep. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So um, 
what are the kind of projects that you love working? What's your, what do you feel like is your sweet spot? And like, I'm, I'm curious as like a, as a remote PM, how you, um, you know, you know what you're best at, you know, the kind of projects you love most. Uh, so what are they and how do you decide whether or not you're going to take a gig, even if it doesn't quite hit that sweet spot? Well, um, I think I might have mentioned this last time we did a podcast together, but I'm through no, uh, you know, extra effort of, of my own. I've been doing a lot more nonprofit work, which I really love because it makes me feel like I'm doing something good for the world. Yeah. Um, so nonprofit and academia. Uh, so I've, it's just kind of like you put it out to the universe, I guess, and it comes back to you. So I've been doing a lot of that lately. Mm. Um, of course, it doesn't, you know, the, the projects don't have the same type of budgets as maybe right. some other projects do. So that also puts me at a bit of a disadvantage. Um, but, you know, I, I really, I, I enjoy the work. I enjoy, you know, feeling good about what I'm doing. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't ever do anything else, but that's kind of where I'm, that's kind of where I'm at. So what's happening with the project, like what we're actually doing is sort of immaterial to me because I really enjoy the, the end clients that I'm working with. Mm. So I'm kind of doing everything. Yeah. So, so apart from the budgets that you, I mean, there's that budget challenge when you're working for nonprofits or academia, but what are the other, I mean, how do you, how do you work around those kind of challenges? I mean, firstly, there's the challenge that obviously there's not as much budget for a PM or for you, but like in terms of managing the project, what are some of the things that you've learned, um, you know, as you do your post-mortems, <laughs> what, are the, what, are, what are some of your learnings from like the world of academia and the world of nonprofits that, that other people could learn from if they're taking on a project like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think most project managers are always looking for ways to streamline things and find efficiencies. It's just magnified when you're working with any project with a small budget. And when you, sometimes you'll work with a small budget, but you know that they have, you know, some extra money in the coffers with you know, the work that I'm doing now, there isn't, I know that there isn't. <laughs> I mean, I, for some of these um, end clients, I know how they're even raising their funds and I know it's mm. just not there. So, yeah. you know, finding efficiencies and stuff like that is, I mean, you're, you are finding every efficiency possible and you're constantly telling the people that you're working with who are doing the work, you know, you only have this much time. And if you can't do it in this amount of time, I need you to tell me, within this amount of time. If you can't yeah. do this job, this particular small task within three hours, I need you to tell me within 15 minutes that you can't do it. So it's very yeah. exacting. Yeah. 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 And I, I think it's good, isn't it? It forces us to be a bit more disciplined like in the managing, the way that we manage and control the projects. Like you have to know that granular detail. Yep. Um, otherwise things are going to fall apart really quickly. Yes. So let's talk about your article and that, Here's the reality that we we just end up doing odd jobs for our teams. And, you know, we, we were talking about this when you were writing the article, but it seems that the PMs always seem to be the ones that get tasked for whatever reason with setting up meeting rooms, cleaning meeting rooms, getting mm -hmm. the water, for the meetings, even like something as silly as, you know, dialing in the line, the conference line when you're when you're sat in a meeting room. For some reason, everyone expects it's the PM should, that should be the one that hits the numbers on the phone. Um, we're the ones that take the notes. We're the ones that go and get the donuts. So we're the ones that grease the wheels so that the work can happen around us. But should we be doing that? And is that really something that's within our PM role? 
So Patrice has written a really good article about this that you should all read. Um, and I think, you know, one of the, one of the points that you make within the article is that, you know, is this something that we end up doing because of our gender? Now I'm talking about, I'm obviously a guy, you're a girl, uh, but, or is this something that, uh, we end up doing just because we're too nice? Um, so this is, you know, obviously something that you feel passionate about. Um, and, you know, I think I feel passionate about it from, from a different perspective. You obviously feel that, um, often, if you're if you're a girl, you're more likely to be end up doing these jobs. As a guy, I can definitely say I I've certainly mm-hmm. been the one doing those things as well. But um, first of all, let's kind of like talk about these these kind of requests we've got. What what are some of the what are some of the worst things? Or what's the worst request that you've ever had from someone who just assumed that it should be your role to do that thing? I, I mean, nothing that has been asked of me has been particularly egregious that I can remember. Uh, I think it's just the sheer magnitude of how many times I've been asked to do the same thing. Right, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So uh, there's nothing that sticks out as like, oh, my God, this one guy was like, cut my toenails. It was. There's nothing like that. <laughs> You know, um, yeah. but there is the the amount of times that I'm asked to do some of these things is really astounding. Yeah, yeah. No, I think for me personally, I think it's um, yeah, it, it's definitely it's it's the volume and the repetitiveness of it, and I think it's it often happens when uh, yeah, if we're not careful, there can be we can support a culture in which we're kind of taken advantage of, right? So yeah. when we when we conform to the request. Hey, can you just book me a taxi um, to, you know, pick me up to go to the airport for my flight to the client meeting or something like that? Mm-hmm. And you're like, sure, I'll help you out this time because, you know, I know you're busy and I don't want you to miss your flight because I want you to get to the meeting. Because if you don't get to that meeting, the whole project falls apart. Mm-hmm. And it's that balance of, hey, we're trying to help our teams do their best work and help them stay focused on the work, but also, hey, why shouldn't they book their own taxi? So let's kind of get down to the crux of the issue, though. Is this about us defining our job description better or about not being such a pushover? What's your kind of thoughts on that? Uh, well, I mean, I think a lot of what you just said is absolutely right. I mean, our job, it's not written in our job description, but it's inherent in the work that we do, uh, is we remove the obstacles that people have so they can get the work done that we need them to do so that this project can move forward. That's our, that's our job is to remove all the roadblocks, you know, pave the way for, for work to get done. And if that means that, you know, they're working right up until the meeting time and they need someone to come and knock on their door and say, yo, it's time for our meeting you know, to remind them in person that it's time for a meeting. I've, I've had that happen many yeah. times, you know, they have yeah. a calendar reminder. It, that's what you do. <laughs> but the, but I think what the defining line is, is whether or not they're doing it because they need it and they still respect your role or they're doing it because they don't respect your role and they think it's your job. So it, it's the difference between, am I helping someone out? And they would not ask me otherwise, and they respect my role as leading a project. Or do they think I don't have to do this because this other person, it's their job to do it? That, that's when I get a little bit like, you know, there, I have some, some ways to sort of gracefully, you know, point out to someone that I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell us, tell us about those ways. What are those ways? How do you? So, okay, let's, let's, let's role play. 
<laughs> so, so <laughs> um, Patrice, um, I'm running a bit late for my meeting today. Um, so I'm wondering if you can um, just make sure that the uh, conference room is all set up and just make sure that it's dialed in uh, so that as soon as I get there, we're good to go. Uh, I would probably say something like, I can help you out this time with that. Sure, no problem. I don't have anything scheduled right beforehand. So good news, I'm able to help. You know, <laughs> I mean, so, so I'm, I'm hitting the point home that I might not be able to do this in the future. If I had yeah. something that I was doing right until the time that I had to, you know, be in that same meeting, I wouldn't be able to help you out. And that's the truth. Yeah. So, um, and so when you do that steadily, uh, the message does <laughs> for most people, the message comes, comes through. You might have to do it several times, but the message comes through and, uh, they realize that, you know, when you do that, you're doing it for the project and you're not doing it for them because you're the lackey. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So tell us, tell us though, what your kind of perspective is. I mean, for some people, for some of us, um, you know, we've been the lackey for years. That's kind of something that we've kind of embraced in our role. And you know, I think for, for me, it's personally, it, I started out as a, you know, I was an intern at an ad agency. And so as an intern, so you were a professional lackey. Is yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so I think something, it, it, you know, you, it makes you very humble, right? Because you mm-hmm. realize, Hey, you're at the bottom of the ladder here. And, um, there isn't anyone lower than you. And so if there's any dirty work that needs to be done, it's kind of you. And, and I feel like as I, you know, as I've gone through my career, um, actually it's, I've, yeah, it's hard to kind of shake off that, that mindset where you're like, Hey, um, when, when people around you, are, you know, want stuff done and you're just not, you know, you're trying to grease the wheels. You're trying to just whatever it takes to let them do their work. I'd always kind of err on the side of, hey, well, do you know what? Okay, fine. If that's going to just, if that's going to keep you happy, if that's going to keep things rolling, um, sure, let's just go for it. So I guess my question is around, like, where is this like a principle thing? To what extent is this a principle thing that, hey, we shouldn't just be doing everyone's dirty work? And to what extent is it, hey, well, you know, no one else is going to do it. Why shouldn't I do it? Yeah, I mean, um, I think... If you're, if, if you're worried about it, if it makes you feel angry and you're, you're <laughs> like, you're, you're like, you know, you, you kind of feel like you want to tell them to go F off. Um, <laughs> all you, I think you just need to stop and, and ask yourself if you're doing that because you feel taken advantage of, or are you a little bit insecure in how much leadership you have in the project or in the, agency or in the company there's lots of reasons why you might feel that way and you just have to examine why that is it might be because you just don't feel like you have the right leadership position and you feel a little bit you know unsure of yourself that's not yeah. a great reason to push back you being unsure yeah. of your position is not a great reason to get back um you know push back on something like that but what is a good you know reason to push back is if a you're not getting some of your stuff done because you have to do these things. Yeah. That's yeah. An, an immediate red flag. Um, or, you know, frankly, if you're in a senior position and the person asking you to do something is a junior designer, the amount of time, 15 minutes of your time costs the agency more than 15 minutes of their time. Yeah. So you can also think of it that way. Like it would cost them $50 to ask you, but it's costing them $100 to ask me. 
you should be doing this work. So that's a good way in your mind to kind of frame it too. So you know whether or not it's a good idea to push back. Conversely, if it costs $100 for me, but $200 for, you know, a vice president of whatever, then I'm going to do it, you know, so there's, there's, there's some more concrete ways that you can kind of navigate this as well. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think that's kind of helpful in yeah, helping to draw that line, helping to draw that distinction. Um, Because yeah, I think there's, if we can think of this, okay, well, there might be some things that we and only we can do. Um, you know, because, you know, we have, we're the only ones that have access to something or, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're the ones with the credit card information. So that's why we keep on being asked to like order the sandwiches or something sure, like yeah. that. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point about, you know, thinking about, okay, but is this the most valuable use of my time? Um, or, and is it more, is my time more valuable or, um, doing something else? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really helpful. So for those of the, for those people though who are thinking, okay, well this is all well and good. Like, okay, we need to need to you know assert ourselves. We need to draw the line. Um, but if this has been you, you've been doing it for years. Um, you've kind of been caught up in this cycle of being everyone's lackey. Um, <laughs> how um, how do you how do you make it stop? You kind of gave us that scenario of a, a you know a one off where you say. Hey, I'll do it just this once because I've got nothing better to do right now, but I might not next time. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do you do it though? If, uh, you know, if, if you suddenly turn around and, and tell someone that, um, they might be a bit surprised. So if, yeah. <laughs> yeah. change management, how's the way you kind of change the culture? Cause I think that's what we're talking about here. It's changing this cultural, mm-hmm. um, understanding of what it means to be a PM and particularly maybe what it means to peer be a PM as a guy versus being a, being a PM as a girl. Well, um, what you can do if you're, if you've already been doing this this whole time and you feel like, you know what, Patrice, you're right. You know, I, it, it is impacting me getting my other work done. I really, I really can't be doing this this often. You can say, I know I usually do this. I know I usually book these meetings. I know I usually order the lunch, but my schedule, I, I just can't. So, you know, it might be a good idea for us to maybe, um, each take a piece of this, you know, or like Jane can do this part and, you yeah. know, John can do this part. Like if you say, I used to be able to do this, but it, you know, my schedule has gotten so busy. That's a, people can relate to that. That's a really good reason to not do something again. And you can fall back on that and you can fudge it a little bit, but like that's how you get out of it. Nice. Yeah. I think that, I, <laughs> I think that's good. Like divide and conquer. And I think, um, you know, what you're saying about, okay, well, let's get everyone to take some responsibility for this um, is really sound advice. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, what would be your, your first step though, in kind of identifying whether or not you're being taken advantage of or, uh, or, you know, whether or not this needs to change. You've talked about kind of identifying, okay, what are the urgent things that I keep on being asked to do that aren't necessarily important, but is that a good place to start? Oh, but where where would you start in terms of kind of like trying to draw the line? Uh, I mean, I think it would be the easiest thing to change. Change that first. I'm I'm a big believer in you know low hanging fruit and you know starting to do anything. It, you know starts with the first step. 
make your first step the easy step and do the easy thing. Um, That's personally how I would do that, especially since if you start off pushing back in a in a respectful way with something small, as you push back in a respectful way with larger things, it's going to it's not going to be so out of the blue. They're yeah. going to realize that you're starting to assert yourself and they're not going to be taken aback when you do it. So I say start small and then work up to the, the bigger things. And so tell us in terms of like your your experience of this, is this um, is this something you've kind of always fought against or something that you've kind of recently realized, hey, I shouldn't be doing this. This needs to change. Like what's your, what's your personal experience of of being taken advantage of and then fighting it. Well, I, you know, I didn't start off as an intern, but I did start off as, you know, someone fairly junior and anybody who, you know, has ever looked me up. Um, I didn't graduate from a regular college. Like I don't have a bachelor's degree. So that always, you know, now I'm 400 years old, so it doesn't really matter anymore, but wow. <laughs> yeah, but, but, um, but, you know, so you started as an intern. I started with an inferiority complex and a chip right. on my shoulder that people probably didn't think I could do a good job. Like no right. one I was working with knew that people, you know, it might be a, you know, bit of new information for some of the people listening, but it doesn't really matter anymore. But, um, but, you know, so I started off at a place where I was like, I have to do anything I can to make these people take me seriously. And so I literally would do everything so that people, I thought mistakenly that people would think, Patrice is super on the ball. We can really trust her to do everything. And all I was really doing was making it easy for people to take advantage of me in certain ways. So, um, you know, I think this advice probably resonates the most with people who are just starting out in their career, you know, but I do think, and I know that you, I know that we have like a difference of opinion here. I do think it happens more to women than it does to men because, you know, we're used to, there's, there's societal norms and, and there's, you know, uh, unconscious bias, which is yeah. something you hear a lot in the news nowadays. You know, un- unconscious is the important word because I think a lot of people get their backs up immediately saying like, I am not a sexist. You know, I respect women. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't do this. And it, and it's, un, it's this unconscious bias or the fact that maybe you see it happening and you aren't really sure if the person who's making it happen, you don't really ro- want to rock the boat. So there's this either unconscious bias or this unconscious buy-in of, of this cultural norm um, that I think causes this to happen more often than others. I mean, when you think of the, when you think of these menial tasks, the word secretary comes to mind, right? You're like, I'm not the project yeah. secretary. When yeah. you say secretary, what comes to mind? A woman sitting behind a desk. So there yeah. is this weird unconscious bias that makes it harder for women to be able to push back on these things. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, obviously I, I, I'm a guy and um, I've experienced, and you're you know, a good I, guy, I, and you're a good guy. And this is why it doesn't Patrice. resonate with you because you don't, because it's, you're a good guy and I'm sure you would speak up if you saw that. So I get it. I get but it. I think, I think it's also be possibly a part of this is to do with the fact that um, there, particularly within digital project management, I mean, this might be a sweeping statement that's wholly untrue, but the impression I get, um, and this is, partly because of like the people that I've had on my teams over the years, but also kind of when I look around the industry, who seems engaged, who's there, there's a lot more girls than boys is the 
is the impression I get in digital uh, project management. There's a lot more girls than boys in digital project management. There's a lot more men than women in development roles. And the, yeah. by far, the more people that you have, you know, that you're that you have on your team as your project team, you're going to have a bunch of developers. Maybe you have a designer. I feel like designers are pretty split, uh, yeah. fairly evenly between men and women. Um, we still haven't really gotten to that point with developers. And you might have one designer, but you might have five developers. So you've now got five dudes on your team and maybe one other woman, and you are like one of two. And so, yeah, the the the, the dynamics the dynamics yeah. can change. You know, they can. So yeah, and I think and I think that's my point there being that I think therefore that does make it harder. So for as as a girl, yeah. um, you know, trying to push back against that. But um, yeah, I think I think what what really resonated with me in terms of in terms of what you've been talking about is um, just thinking about like here as project managers, we're, try- we're you know we're trying to deliver value for our teams, for the projects, for the clients, and really thinking about okay, well, sure, it's okay to do some of these things sometime, but really, if we think about you know what's important, what should I be prioritizing? Thinking about that kind of urgent versus important conundrum. Um, and really we should only be doing these kind of menial tasks for people if they're urgent, but also important, important for the project, important, um, that to ensure that we make sure we deliver on budget, on time, you know, it keeps, mm-hmm. it's going to keep, going to keep the project going there. We can make concessions. Uh, and think- if you're the only per, if you're literally the only person who's able to do it, there's that big <laughs> yeah. thing too, because if, you know, one thing we haven't talked about is note taking. And mm. that's a that's a that's a real hot button issue with a lot of people <laughs> included. So anyone is capable of taking notes in a meeting. Anyone is capable of doing that. And um, you know, so there's no shortage of people unless you're in a meeting with just you and one other person, and the other person is literally doing all the talking, and you're literally doing none of it. Someone else can be taking notes other than the project manager. I always take notes. I don't care who else is taking notes because I'm taking notes for myself. And that well, is that's, what I, that's what I was going to say, right? Because as and a that's what like, I do, I say like, that we I say to. I'm taking notes for myself. I've been taking notes for myself, but I can probably take notes for the project. I say that that's one of my go tos. Yeah. Whenever anyone says, "Are you taking notes?" Yeah, I'm taking my own notes, but you know, I'm not taking yeah. notes of the project. Or I'll start the <laughs> meeting by saying, "You know, I'm going to be doing a lot of talking during this meeting, so." so-and-so, you know, who's not doing a lot of the talking, would you mind taking the notes for this meeting? I yeah. mean, it just makes sense. No one's going to push back on that. It makes sense. Well, unless, the, unless everybody knows <laughs> that that person doesn't write good notes. Because <laughs> I think what, what the interesting thing for me is that, yes, everyone, everyone can and could mm-hmm. write notes. But I think the, the difference that a project manager brings when they write notes is that maybe they're a bit more structured. Better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they Maybe they're sense. a bit more good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. But maybe, you know, after a few times of writing bad notes, people will start saying, hey, you know, Frank, or whatever your name is, you know, your, no- your notes really suck. You should talk to Patrice and find out how to do them properly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's just, uh, I think it's with notes or with anything, if you, if what you're doing isn't contributing to you being able to, you know, have a leadership role and people seeing you, you don't want taking notes all the time or making travel reservations or doing that to diminish you being able to say to someone, 
you're not doing the work that I am asking you to do and I need you to do it differently. If you, yeah. if you have put yourself now in a position where you don't, it would be weird for you to tell someone what to do. That's your job. That's inherently your job. You know, if you're, if you've put yourself in this menial task position and you can't do that anymore, then you realize you've gone too far. You, you've yeah. been too accommodating. That's, that's the big litmus test. If you've been too, yeah. accom- can yeah, you tell this person that they did something wrong? No, well, then you probably did too much on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Is this, yeah. Is this having an impact on your ability to properly execute yeah. that yoga PM? Yeah, yeah. I think that's great. Patrice, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great having you with us today. Thanks. And as one of our DPM experts, um, Patrice will not only be making an appearance at the D- Digital PM Summit uh, coming up, and she'll be giving a lightning talk there, but also an appearance in our upcoming course starting in September. It's called Mastering Digital Project Management. And uh, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, but you know you really need some PM training, check it out. It's a seven-week crash course. It includes some interactive video lessons, uh, assignments, group discussions, also the option of coaching. Uh, head to the dpmschool.com and get yourself signed up. We've got a few spots left um, before the course fills up. And if you'd like to contribute to this conversation, I think this is a really interesting conversation. Where do we draw the line? How do we draw the line You know, with, it, with our role as PMs? versus project administrators well comment on the post and also head to the resources section of the digitalprojectmanager.com to join our slack team and you'll find lots of interesting conversation going on there but until next time thanks for listening <laughs>